October, and we welcome you to this Disney at Play podcast. Well, it's been long overdue, but we visit Disney's Hollywood Studios at Walt Disney World, not just for an update at what's currently happening there, but as a chance to discuss various happenings occurring throughout all of Walt Disney World. We see preparations occurring throughout the park for Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. We look at attractions that are reopening, such as Beauty and the Beast live on stage. Crowds have been considerably down over the last couple of weeks at parks and attractions, such as Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. Will they stay that way? We discuss the ins and outs of virtual queues with Rise of the Resistance. Plus, check out some cool details you may not have seen in this attraction. Plus, we look at Halloween food and beverage offerings off of Sunset Boulevard and finish our day with the wonderful world of animation. We have lots of photos to show you that accompany this podcast, so be sure to uh, check out DisneyAtPlay.com and also make sure you subscribe so you're notified of upcoming uh, podcasts and posts as they occur. Well, let's begin uh, not inside the park, but outside the park. You know, the, the straightest line between uh, two brand new sets of attractions is uh, is the Skyliner. Um, and uh, I thought it'd be a good place to start. Uh, we've been, um, if you've heard some of our previous podcasts, we've been uh, uh, showcasing Ratatouille and uh, that new attraction at Epcot. Frankly, right now with the construction at Epcot, I kind of prefer parking over at Disney's Hollywood Studios and taking the Skyliner straight on over to World Showcase where you're just right next door to Ratatouille. And then coming back over to Disney's Hollywood Studios, um, that's been a, a terrific combination recently. I had a chance to visit the um, studios about four times over the last two, three weeks. So it's given me a chance to see some things I hadn't been noticing before. And one of them is just right there at the Skyliner. You'll see that there are, and again, photos are on our Disney at Play uh, podcast, but you'll see that there are Skyliner uh, buckets that um, uh, give tribute to Walt Disney World's 50th anniversary. Uh, this one has a little Chippendale uh, tucked away with um, um, the 50th Signia, and then on the other side, the world's most magical celebration, Walt Disney World. So be sure when next time you are at the Skyliner to check that out. As we head on into the park, we note that uh, the finger touch system, which was um, um, was not utilized during um, uh, most of the pandemic has been reinstated. I'm not uh, too bad with that. And I know that that um, touch surfaces do not seem to be the primary carrier of um, COVID, it seems. However, you kind of wish there were a few more uh, places you can just kind of um, get um, get your uh, some sanitizer on you as you go through. Um, as we head on down Hollywood Boulevard, we make a slight detour over to Echo Lake and we find Max, you know, Goofy's Max. He's over there uh, waving hi to the guests and uh, of all things, taking photos 
of the guests as they are uh, passing by. So you're taking photos of Max. Max is taking photos of you. It kind of makes me wonder if maybe Max uh, hasn't taken advantage of the new photo pass add-on um, <laughs> available to annual pass holders. That's a $100 addition. If you haven't listened to our podcast on the new um, pass holder plan, uh, you should definitely check that podcast out. We give all the details around that and really we're one of the first to provide a, a really solid podcast on that. Um, I think the $100 add-on is kind of not sure that that's worth it, but for some it is, especially when do they do character meet and greets. But right now, character meet and greets are limited to this kind of social distancing thing going on. It's not like you're going into Ariel's Grotto at the Magic Kingdom or over here at the studios to see Kylo Ren or Chewbacca and getting a particular set of photos taken with PhotoPass. So I have a hard time justifying the value, particularly when the character um, uh, photo opportunities are kind of missing. So more to come on that probably. We head over to Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And the photo we show here is of a 15 minute standby wait time. Other than one day where I ended up waiting a long time because the attraction was not up and running at the beginning of the day. Other than that, this attraction has been nearly walk on, uh, particularly at the end of the day. In fact, as we we're coming to the end of the day, we noticed that they were redoing, you know, there's this big exterior, um, queue that kind of folds out into into the plaza area and they were redoing the queue because they don't see uh, the demand being high until uh, October 1st when the park celebrates its 50th anniversary so they were redoing portions of the queue inside um, Mickey, Mickey and Minnie's uh, they have reinstated the film portion which uh, has you uh, meeting uh, Mickey and the gang and Pluto as they head on a picnic and then they uh, run into Goofy who is chief engineer on a train and uh, disaster results, a big explosion and you brought into the, uh, the video, into the scene. It's such a clever way of bringing you into the cartoon is this whole explosion scene. Um, and uh, I'm glad that they have that back in order. Still have a little concern about the fact that Pluto's kind of kicked around and thrown into the trunk of a car, but I'm gonna get past that. What I did notice is that, you know, you have these mm, animatronics, for lack of a better term. They're, they're more projections on, on animatronic faces, uh, um, limited uh, sculpted faces. You know, I noticed that Pluto, in particular, it works with him. When you draw a Disney character, you draw it in really one of three major ways. You either draw a head-on face, you draw what's called a three-quarter face, or you draw a um, profile. And I learned this that um, working just as a kid drawing Disney uh, drawing Mickey and, and, and Minnie and Goofy and Pluto and other Disney characters, most of the time you're actually in a three-quarter 
view of the face. Um, and the reason I mention all this is Pluto's face is fully sculpted out with the nose and and the and the front portion of his face, and yet on Mickey and Minnie they're kind of in this three quarter view that never has seemed to work for me. I just think they need to to um, re-sculpt Mickey and Minnie in a frontal face, project on it, similar to how they do it with Pluto. It works with Pluto and you don't think about it, but you're distracted by the three-quarter view of Minnie and, and Mickey in, uh, in the attraction. It's probably one of the very, very few flaws um, that occurred. By the way, a, a friend of mine was in the attraction. Uh, actually, I was joining up with an entire party and they were all in the attraction when it went down. And surprisingly, all of those surfaces, um, um, you know, of course, when the attraction goes down, the the screen image is no longer there. So it's a real, it's a real disappointing moment when, um, when you're in the attraction and it goes down. Speaking of disappointing moments, I'm not gonna take too much time. Have you been to Primetime Cafe? This is one of my favorite settings for dining. And it is one of the consistently most disappointing service deliveries I can possibly have. And I think I'll be doing an upcoming Disney at Work podcast. You remember that my podcasts are divided into this Disney at Play is for the fan and all of us want to know what's going on in the park, what's happening, what's the latest and greatest, what are the rumors, all of that. That's what a Disney at Play podcast. A Disney at Work podcast takes happenings from the um, the happiest and most magical places on earth, Disneyland, Walt Disney World, all the parks, and they apply business ideas around customer service, around team building, around leadership. And... Um, I have to say the customer service at uh, Primetime Cafe, it's, I probably had the worst server on um, a previous event that I have ever had in any Disney location ever. Um, I want to go into that with more detail. I'll save that for a Disney at Work podcast because it does have application to one's own organization, one's business. So I'll say that, look forward to that um, upcoming podcast, but know that uh, we're gonna talk about Primetime Cafe. I wouldn't talk about it if I didn't love it. I absolutely love that restaurant and I absolutely hate the service, which is funny because I can sometimes, if you go back to my um, dinner review of uh, Topolino's, the, f the food was very good too, but the service was impeccable at Topolino's. Even in places like Tony's, I get great service. And the one place I don't seems to be, seems to be prime time. I seem to not be getting it. Um, uh, dysfunctional service. Well, I, that's all I'm going to say about that. We, we head out, we round the corner in our little photo tour here and come by Muppets. And I have a photo on my DisneyAtPlay.com site that shows it's kind of a, um, a distant photo of the theater for Muppets, Muppet Vision. And it's a reminder of what is really missing. That it, When this attraction was originally built, they, they added this big, colorful rainbow balloon 
structure on top coming out of the pillar, the larger pillar uh, attached to this. And next to it is a, a clock with um, uh, a Muppet hanging off the side um, of it, somewhat similar to uh, Charlie Chaplin uh, silent film. Uh, it's still there. The, 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 the balloon was taken off. I didn't see it was coming apart. It didn't look like it was a problem. May have, my best guess is they took it off because they kind of rethemed the entire, this area, this corner of the park to the theater district in Los Angeles and downtown LA. And I think they saw that as not being really tied to that. Notwithstanding, I think it's a loss. I think it's a disappointing. Now we head over to Rise of the Resistance. And let me tell you, very interesting things are going on with the virtual queuing. And I, um, if you remember, I've kind of talked about the fact that I don't think Ratatouille is going to be worth spending extra money to go on this attraction, which is one of the things happening to Rise of the Resistance when this whole Genie Plus system goes into play, which I expect will be sometime in the next week or two, prior to the 50th anniversary. Signs have been put up everywhere for lightning lanes and so forth. Um, I wonder if there's a lightning lane for the lightning... McQueen attraction on the other side of the park. We got to check that out. Long overdue for checking that one out. But anyway, um, I have been very successful in getting into virtual queues um, at Rise of the Resistance. So much that one morning I was supposed to do it, at, you know, at 7 a.m., but I was taking my son to school and I was at an intersection. You're just not going to do that while you're driving a car, right? So after I got him to school, I parked waiting for the teacher to come out and pick him up. And it was 7.05 and I thought, well, it's probably already been dispersed, but let me try it. I tried it and lo and behold, we ended up with, I think it was group 72, five minutes. Now we have been saying since the beginning of uh, this attraction opening that you got to get this thing within the first two or three milliseconds of 7 a.m. You got to get this time to a system. You got to get the best um, internet system, the fastest internet system. So you get this. By the way, you should be, did you know this, that you should be, I did not know this. There's a toggle, there's an image saying reserve for Black Spire Outpost. And then in the, on the, in the corner, it will show us uh, a little, um, you click on the, Rise to Virtual, um, uh, Star Wars Rise of the Existence, and it says um, join virtual queues and you, in the corner. And um, and when you hit 7 a.m., you actually don't hit the little thing in the corner, which is what I was always doing. You swipe up on the um, image, the, the screen with the image of the ad ads, and it provides a button there and you click that button and it apparently moves you faster through the system. It's something I had never known, but didn't matter on this occasion because honestly at 7.05, I was able to get a virtual queue. And the other days I was able to get it as well. Um, it, a couple of things. Um, first, it, it's a big message about the fact that 
the uh, the crowds are way down. If you can get here before October 1st, do it. Because I'm telling you, the crowds are way down in the parks. And even though the Boo Bash is going on already, it's down right now. And I just, I'm not sure, I'm sure it will pick up significantly the week of uh, October 1st. It'll be interesting to see what attendance looks like in October and November. And I say that because where attendance really builds in the fall and the spring is group traffic, business group traffic, convention traffic, kids doing um, cheerleading thing. That's a little bit more toward the spring, but definitely in the fall, you have a lot of convention conference trafficking. That's why um, uh, hotels like um, the Boardwalk and uh, Coronado Springs are really low in their attendance right now because they don't, those convention uh, locations are not doing the kind of business that is going on weddings as well. Anything of a group business is very strong in October and or in the fall and spring, and it's not happening. So that's one of the reasons why, and and with the pandemic and the increases of numbers, it's just a combination. I don't. I think, I think the virtual queuing is going to be easier. That's good news not only for this. Also, I think by the way. Virtual queuing will, with um, Ratatouille will also kind of take away a group of people who had made reservations for the studios and thought, well, if we don't get it, we'll go over to Epcot. Um, in this case, I think people trying to get a Ratatouille, that will move virtual queuing. I think it's going to get more balanced out. And again, that makes it um, more unnecessary to pay, at least for a time being, the premium price to go on this attraction, um, which I would expect of all the attractions in Walt Disney World to charge a premium price. This and Avat Pandora Flight of Passage will probably be the, the two that will have the highest price points. And of course, that price point will fluctuate depending on the season of the year. And if crowds are down, that price point will go down. So this is all good news and all part of what's happening with virtual queuing and so forth. Now, let me also say something about Rise. Having been on it now probably somewhere nearing 40 times. I love this attraction. I think it's one of the best that Walt Disney World, well, it is the best Walt Disney World has built in a long time. I, I always compare attractions to Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland for its incredible thematic detail. I noted in my Ratatouille review that one of the things I really liked about um, Ratatouille is that when you got to the screen presentations, you get a lot of detail with the rats running around the kitchen and and um, having their own little party at the end. There's a lot of little, little Easter egg probably kind of things to look for in details. You know, at Rise, one of the challenges is, is that aboard a Star Destroyer, while seeing 50 stormtroopers all gathered there, um, it, the, it's a very clean looking ship. And so there isn't a lot of details to study. Now, mind you, the ship is under attack and 
blasters are being blown at you and the effects of that are very cool and so forth. But really where to study the details, the, where you get the details is also in the projection elements. Um, and one of those places, one of those great places, if you've been on the attraction a couple of times, the ship that takes you up into space originally, don't look forward um, to where um, the the uh, command mod, uh, the, um, uh, oh, what do you call it? Uh, the um, Where the pilot and, and um, the commander are. Rather go to the back portion of the ship and watch from there. Because as you take off from Batu, you see the Black Spire outpost in a much uh, more elaborate design. You only experience a portion, but here you actually see how the Black Spire outpost actually f goes further than what you actually visit in the park. And it's a fascinating thing to see. So for instance, what you notice behind the Millennium Falcon, behind that, that crevice mountain range, is actually, theoretically, a flattened um, short takeoff and landing strip. In another section, you see what almost seems to be like a, a, a river or bedrock river uh, passing through. None of this you, of course, see when you're actually walking around. But it's fascinating to kind of see it and observe it uh, from this from the air, even though it's only a design. It's just a very fascinating thing. The same thing occurs, and I show images of this um, in in the Disney at Play post. You see images of the Star Destroyer as you approach it, and you approach it actually from the rear. You don't approach it from the front. You actually approach it from the rear, and you see a ship taking off. That's the image I have is are some ships that are taking off out of this, this entry port landing. But you also see, um, as your ship goes into bay, you see the um, stormtroopers um, marching in and parading in to um, greet your ship. In fact, it makes you wonder why we don't see the stormtroopers kind of huffing and puffing, you know, kind of as you, as you step off the ship because they just got in alignment. They just ran over to meet your ship and to and to help hold you hostage. So again, fascinating things to see. From the gunnery, you see the same thing toward the end. And the last moment with um, Kylo Ren in the ride, you see um, the ship that is going to take him out, um, which is supplanted by a, another ship of him in it when he's not available as an animatronic. Again, fascinating details that are in there and that makes the attraction more rideable. Even though it's all video, not quite the same in my view as the kind of physical details you would see in the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean, but still very cool details to check out. And by the way, as you step out, um, always try to visit this attraction at dusk and let me just tell you a couple things that you are probably only going to hear on this podcast first of recent and this doesn't mean they couldn't change your mind but of recent as long as you had a pass you do not have to go there during the hour you need to return you could go much later which was a policy back in the fast pass days 
Now, I, I say that with a little bit of caveat because they were not quite so lenient. Um, they were lenient to like 10 or 20 minutes afterwards. Um, and of course, if you have a reason, you know, you're stuck on Mickey and Minnie's that, you know, failed to, you know, and you couldn't get off the thing, then you kind of have a, a reason. They're being, I, I guess what I'm saying is they're much more lax. So if you end up going there at a later time, you can't go there sooner, but they have been more lax recently with going at a later time. The other thing I will share with you is that some um, post-podcast, or I'm sorry, post um uh, had said that because of the decreased number of people um, getting reservations, they had opened it up on one day to just anybody standing by. And talking to the uh, crowd there, I assure you that they assured me that has never happened. And now they have gotten people kind of standing by after seven, eight in the evening saying, hey, can we still ride? And they're not doing that. So know that, and I think with the uh, additional pay to uh, go on this attraction, if you don't have a virtual pass, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Or at least for a long time to come. So be aware of those little inside details. They affect not only your experience on Rise, but they experience they affect your experience at Ratatouille as it goes to a virtual queue system. Now um, we head into Merchant Row at um, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, and uh, guess what? The popcorn's back. I don't know why they just didn't bring it back sooner. They have two varieties now: the original um, kind of uh, spicy sweet uh, flavor. But they also have a green and white looking, uh, the other was kind of blue and purple and white, or blue and purple and the color of popcorn. This is, the other flavor is kind of popcorn and green popcorn, and it's just basically a salty version of it. But hey, I was really glad to see that that was put back in play and available. Also, we kind of rounded the bend, and, and again, you can't see much right now as you um, head over by where Kylo's ship is. But remember that plans have been put in play for those staying on the Star Cruiser to disembark at this location right next to uh, the supply depot uh, over there. So be, be aware of that. Now, um, we head back over the park through Toy Story Land and all that's going on over there. And uh, we head down Sunset Boulevard, and I noticed, here's a detail I hadn't noticed before. We passed by um, the, a mailbox. And on the mailbox, it says, buy war bonds and stamps. This is very close to Rosie's. And then it says U.S. Mail. Now, um, I had never noticed this. And by the way, when you go to pull the lid open on the, on the mailbox, it's sealed shut. In truth, a number of years ago, mailboxes were found throughout all the Disney parks. And if you wanted to send a postcard, they not only provided postcards, they provided stamps that you could purchase so that you could send a postcard right from, from Walt Disney World. I guess maybe there was a postmark that kind of uh, illustrated or emphasized that you were sending it directly from Walt Disney World. Well, you know... We're in the social media age of 
of uh, mobile devices and so forth. Postcards have kind of gone the way of the, the earth. And uh, so, but the mailbox is still there. It's just rethemed and, and part of the propping at um, on Sunset Boulevard. We had the opportunity to take in Beauty and the Beast live on stage. So glad to see that this attraction has returned. What a great show. That said, um, it's a different show, at least as long as this pandemic lasts. The first thing I notice, and you might not be, if you don't see the show very often, you may not notice, but the cast is limited. The number of dancers has been reduced. And the reason it has been reduced is because they have truly re-blocked and re-choreographed that show so that everyone is socially distant from each other. And so every scene, like Be Our Guest and, and um, um, the opening title scene, all these scenes have been redone. You see, you see them kind of almost dancing in this circle, this socially distant circle, kind of doing a dance in play, in motion, and in, in place, and then kind of moving to the next spot and kind of continuing. It's kind of an interesting way. I, I applaud the choreographers for kind of, for coming up with some way of staying socially distanced and still have something akin to the great choreography. And it has always been great choreography in this show. And so I applaud them for doing it. Where it becomes a little on the side of awkward is related to the ending of the show. And I just have to say, it just didn't, it, it just doesn't quite fly. Um, at the end, because what you're expecting is for Belle and the Beast to be um, to be kissing at the end, and this does not occur. They just kind of show their adoration for each other from a distance. Is how to maybe best describe this. It's it's um it's kind of um it's it, it it's just very different and in fact you remember after before they get all dressed up in their finest they what they do is they they're the two dancers wrap the kind of big blanket um cloth around them and kind of carry them off and then they appear together as the curtains reopen. Uh, yeah, no, none of that is, uh, none of that is happening uh, right now. And it's and he kind of leads her away off stage. The beast kind of leads her away off stage, and it's just I don't know how to say it. It's just kind of awkward. Uh, it is just a very awkward kind of moment. And then they reappear from opposite sides. They never do come together. A again, it's just great to see the show. It's just awkward. That's why I think why Frozen uh, sing-along got put together well before uh, all the other shows is because there were only a handful of performers. That's a huge stage at Frozen. They were able to 
uh, get away with just a few people um, spread apart. So I think that's that's why what happened happened uh, for Frozen, why it was first out. And that's a great show to see. Um, but at any rate, just know Beauty and the Beast is different, but it's there. And if you have a chance, it's a great way to get out of the heat and, and see the show. Now, across the way, some new Halloween food offerings have come. And I, I vowed I wouldn't, I wouldn't go into doing the whole food and wine festival thing. I'm really trying to count my calories. You would not know it from this first thing. It's a candy corn shake that's available through Hollywood Scoops. It's the ice cream stand right there on, uh, you know, you get the Hollywood Scoop, the inside scoop. Um, anyway, it's the, it's the ice cream stand on Sunset Boulevard and it's called the Candy Corn Shake. It's $9.49. It is candy corn ice cream shake topped with vanilla, um, with vanilla cake donut, which looks orange by the way, whipped cream, spooky sprinkles, and candy corn. Um, this visually was a wow. This eating wise, much less. Um, the, it, it says candy corn ice cream shake. I didn't, it was a kind of orangish, but I, I didn't really taste anything of candy corn pieces or anything in the shake. There were a few candy corn pieces on top of the donut along with sprinkles. But there isn't a lot of candy corn, to be honest. There are a lot of sprinkles, but the sprinkles, the sprinkles are, um, um, the sprinkles are actually um, on surrounding the the cup, the the top of the cup, and as a result, it's really hard to eat those, and they just kind of fall all over. It is a mess. The donut, meantime, was this iced orange-looking donut, but it tasted more like a bunt cake. Definitely more a cake donut than a yeast donut, but I have a hard time calling it a cake donut. It really tasted, it really, it really had the texture of a bunt cake more, and for that matter, it didn't have a lot of taste to it. So I, I thought for all of its promise. It was just a little bit on the disappointing side. Now, much better was the Witch's Hat Mousse, uh, which was a whipped blackberry panna cotta, which kind of means um, it's kind of this textured pudding, very uh, textured pudding on green apple mousse with crispy salted caramel pearls and a short chocolate shortbread cookie. This was 5.49. I think the shake was around nine something. This was delicious. It had a lot of different levels. I didn't really care for the green apple mousse on the very top, um, but this panna cotta had a lime taste to it and it and the blackberry complemented um, it and there was chocolate on the, it was great. This was a great and you should get this before Halloween If you're in the studios, this is probably the best treat I can recommend right now at the studios Although I will say the one at um, Docking Bay 7 
Worst looking dessert I ever had in my whole life. Best tasting dessert. I think I may have had one of the best tasting desserts I've ever had at the studios. It it really is a full dessert at Docking Bay 7. Don't have the title of that, but it's the only dessert they're currently serving right there. And then you have uh, the frozen apple cider, uh, which is frozen apple cider topped with green apple uh, bubble balls. That is really tasty as well. I didn't think the combination of the two because the sweetness of the witch's hat mousse kind of took it away from the what you were getting out of the frozen apple cider. I would have had a sandwich with the frozen apple cider, something savory to go with the cider and, and kept it separate. I would have had a milk to go with the panna cotta mousse and that would have been perfect. You want to test those out. That was $4.99 for the frozen apple cider. Um, again, great Halloween offerings. And uh, I like that about Halloween is when you don't have to go to a boo bash in order to get some really Halloween, a uh, cool Halloween favorites. Got to end with the wonderful world of animation in front of the Chinese theater at Disney's Hollywood studios. Great conclusion to the day. It isn't phantasmic by any means, but you know what? This is probably one of the um one of the most underrated under well just missed i th it, it was kind of a prelude to the star wars uh fireworks at the studios which was good which was very good too but this one has starts kind of with mickey mouse ends with mickey mouse it you know it all began with the mouse but it then goes into a series of themes and scenes that cover every imaginable um, character from all the way from Snow White to the present with, um, I was surprised that shows that had come since uh, the pandemic began, such as Soul and Onward had actually been added to the show and everything in between. I mean, we're getting everything in between like Black Cauldron and Robin Hood and Aristocats in between. We are getting that in between. We get into some of the um, 40, 1940s, uh, Melody Time, um, So Dear, uh, no, um, Three Caballeros. You get a whole ton of very different cartoons all showing up in these, um, this, uh, this mix of Disney animation favorites. So we're going to end our time with just that, with uh, the wonderful world of animation. I'm surprised they don't say wonderful world of Disney animation, but it's the wonderful world of animation. We'll end uh, with that today and just say uh, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your patronage. We appreciate your friendship. There are many of you who have been listening to this podcast for some time. I really appreciate your, your being a part to help make these websites and podcasts possible. May I suggest a couple of ways you can help? In addition to the podcast channel you listen to, please visit disneyatplay.com and disneyatwork.com and subscribe to our website. That way you get notices of new posts and podcasts coming out. Second, if you like what we have to offer, please visit iTunes and offer us a favorable rating, even a review if possible. This really helps to notify others of what we have 
to offer. And if you like videos, not just of Walt Disney World, but of parks throughout the world, absolutely visit J. Jeff Kober on YouTube. Subscribe there and you'll be notified of new podcast of new videos as they come out. We just put out the world of animation so you can see it in its entirety. So definitely check that out. And then finally, and those are easy, um, complimentary things you could do. Finally, if you could consider joining the Wayfinder Society. Now for as little as a dollar a month, this Patreon group not only helps to support this podcast and the attending websites, but gives you access to one of our Disney at Play interactive guides. There are four tiers to the Wayfinder Society, two of which are available to all who love Disney and our fans. The second two tiers not only celebrate all things Disney, but focus on best and business practices from the happiest and most magical places on earth that can be applied to your own organization. All of them offer unique offerings only available here at Disney at Work and Play. For instance, right now, subscribers to the top three tiers can experience a deep dive into Pirates of the Caribbean like no other. We have interactive maps, we have vi unique videos, we have insights, heritage, just so many cool things. And my feeling was that, again, some people just want to support the podcast, that's great, but I also wanted to give you something back in return. And we're happy to announce that the first Explore tier is only $1 a month. And with that, you not only help to support us, but you'll receive access to one of our Disney at Play discoveries, Pandora World of Avatar. I will tell you, there is not anything that covers this land more than this Disney at Play discovery. It is in depth. To see a sneak peek of all that's offered on this truly unique interactive guide, go ahead and visit us at the Wayfinder Society. All these links are at DisneyAtPlay.com. While there, you can also get a sneak peek at our Disney at Work interactive tour of Disneyland available to our navigator and venturer levels. These offer best in business ideas for you. And we, I, I promise you, whichever tier you choose, content and experiences you can't get elsewhere and your patronage goes to help support these podcasts and posts. So in advance, thank you. Thank you for supporting. Thank you for being a part. I sincerely say that. We may be <laughs> the littlest podcasted down, but we offer something you can't get. Insights you can only get um, here at Disney at Work and Play. Finally, thank you again, wherever you're at, always follow the compass of your heart. Have a great day. We will see you real soon. Gee, thanks everybody. It sure has been a whole lot of fun, but trust me, 